that's Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, from all those terrible Jay and Silent Bob type movies, and you're listening to Four Finger Discount, a podcast where they actually talk about real shit, not that crap we normally talk about in our podcasts. Hey, you guys are hanging out my every word. i become the center of attention. Yeah, it's riveting. Tell it again, Homer. Okay. I wonder why stories of degradation and humiliation make you more popular. I don't know. They just do. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, Australia's favourite Simpsons-based podcast. I'm Dando. I'm Mitch. Today, today we're going to be reviewing Dancing Homer from Season 2. We are, but we're going to get to that in a moment, because yes. we're, we're on top of the world. We've just dropped mics, we're done. Yeah. Now, for the last few weeks, I've been doing my silly little voices at the top, mostly for my own amusement. Um, Very silly. Yeah, no one... Who the fuck knows who Clay Davis is? Uh, but no, but that was a bona fide, real, genuine celebrity... In Kevin Smith, who now obviously he's introduced himself as Silent Bob from um, the Jay and Silent Bob films. He directed Clerks, directed Dogma, uh, but in God in pop culture world, in pop culture world, in a geek world, he there's no one else. And in the podcasting world, he's legitimized it. We've we've spoken before about Smodcast and Fat Man on Batman and and so many shows that he's made. So we need to explain how that came about. Just right? how, how excited you are! I am. I'm so up and about for this. <laughs> um, so, th- fair warning to everyone: this is a story that's probably going to take me five to ten minutes to tell. So, if you're just here for the Simpsons review, just sit tight with me, all right? But in- it just indulge me because I am super excited about this. We promise we will be reviewing Dancing Homer. Yeah, we will. Okay, so. Here's how it came to pass. Kevin Smith is currently in Australia with Jason Mewes touring around their Fat and uh, fat and Silent Bob. Their Jay and Silent Bob Get Old Tour. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry. Um, so I went with my mate Nacho and we were checking this, uh, checking it out last night. So it was a Q&A in St Kilda uh, followed by the actual show. Now, I'll get to how I came to meet Kevin first, but something else happened at the very start of the Q&A. So Kevin answered one question for the entire Q&A. It took him an hour and a half to answer. One question. One question. But in that one answer, he was able to talk about podcasting, about growing an audience, about working with Johnny Depp, and about how much Ben Affleck loves himself. They were, were the main you themes. Were annoyed by that, though? Only one question? No, not really, because I think it was more a thing of he knew he had limited time, so he just wanted to ra- run through all of the shit that he knew was good. Do you think he gets asked the same shit at every show? Probably. And, yeah. and that, I think that's it. He didn't... If you've got a four-hour show, you can afford to have a few dud questions and, and work off that. Whereas he had, he was fairly time limited, so I think he's just he knows he's got his Johnny Depp story, he's got his Matt Damon's uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon stories, and he's going to run through those and just make sure everyone gets their value for money. Yep. Apart from the six or seven other people that stood at microphones waiting to ask a question <laughs> that never came. But anyway, so the first guy gets up. His name's Alistair, uh, and he started by saying that he actually runs a podcast himself. Okay, Now, first thing that happened here, and I just want to throw this out because we're obviously doing this show, and it's a, it's a thing that we're passionate about, and good on anyone that's doing thing, something that they're passionate about. Um, Kevin asked him what the show was called and what it was about. So he, just, he gifted him that little time to introduce himself. And someone from the audience who was sort of off in the darkness has yelled out with, Nobody cares! Now, what I love about this is that he got no response whatsoever. No one in the audience laughed. And um, Kevin just sort of took off and, and ran with it. So, to that guy, just in case you happen to be listening to this episode, fuck yourself. Because anyone that's out there that's trying to put themselves out... They're doing so. It's so. It takes so much courage to do that, and not only that, to stand up at a microphone in front of two thousand eight hundred people and and ask your question. You'd be embarrassed. Exactly. Chat. So, Alistair, you're a champion, and good on you for actually getting out there. Um, now we're going to give him a quick plug as well. He, his podcast is called Coming Up Next. It's focusing mostly on Australian talent. All right. So he's only been in operation for a few months. Uh, but if I have a quick look through some of his episodes, if, if anyone else is interested at all in Australian entertainment, this looks like it's going to be the place to go. So we've got uh, Dylan Lewis from ABC's Recovery, Toddy Goldsmith, uh, Molly oh, Meldrum. He's got really? an interview with Molly Meldrum on here. Right. He's got some really big names, guys from uh, who we've we got Damien Walsh Howling, who you'd remember from Blue Healers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, firstly, loving your work. Um, so anyway. Kevin sort of ran off the back of that and he gave this really, really inspiring speech that, uh, about 
putting out what you believe in and letting an audience find you, which I think we've done pretty well here. That um, I want everyone to love. I want everyone to love this show who listens to this show. I understand though that not everyone will, and I don't really care about the people that don't because I'm making it. F- for the guys that do, for the guys that send us messages every week that we'll get to later on. Big props to our sponsors too for helping us out. Simpsons yeah, of course. Facebook page and nohomers.net. Thank you very much to you guys. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that all happened. Um, and at the end of the night, I was just feeling up and about. So I thought, I'm not going to go home straight away. I, I walked around St Kilda for a little bit. I was just sort of walking down along the harbour in the Esplanade and just taking it all in and thinking about the last few hours and everything that I'd heard. After I'd sort of walked around and looped around the block, I, I'm coming back to the Palais Theatre and there's a group of about 60 people or so um, hanging out near the re- the rear car park. It's sort of the security guarded yeah, car park. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I kind of look and I'm like, well, if there's that many people there, obviously this is where he's going to be exiting from. It's around about 20 past 11 at this point. It's probably mm-hmm. 20 minutes or so since the show's ended. Yep. And it's freezing cold. I have to point that out. It was about eight degrees and you've got the wind running off of um, St Kilda Beach. It's absolutely icy. So I sort of stand and I'm milling about, milling about on the other side of the road, just, just observing for a little bit first. And then finally I think, all right, I'll wander over and join them. Now, the uh, the very, very obvious smell of uh, pot, just there's at yeah. least three or four people. And here's that thing about he gets asked the same stuff all the time. There's three or four people all there going, I'm going to offer him a joint and see if he wants to come back to my house. Uh. No, he's not. But anyway, good on you guys for trying. Yeah. And, it, it, and at the, the heart of it, though, is that they're lovely people and they just want to have fun with someone who's an idol to them. So, uh, you know, I don't begrudge anyone from doing that. Yeah. But I'm hanging around... 15, 20 minutes go by, there's no sign of activity, a few people start to drop off of the crowd. I'm very quickly now, it's coming up to midnight, and I'm starting to do the maths about uh, what time do I really need to leave by to be able to still wake up and function at work the next day. And I figured about quarter past 12 was going to be that limit. Gets to 10 past, still nothing's going on, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to have to go. Like... If he had have walked out and I've missed it, it would have killed me. But then I was sort of thinking, nah, he's probably just going to go anyway. We'll have waited all this time. I, I should go. As I'm walking to my car, I sort of look off to my right, though, and I see a window, and I see a silhouette through that window, and it's it's very unmistakably Kevin Smith's hockey jersey that he yep. was wearing through the show. So I'm like, shit, that's the exit hallway. Like, he's close to going. You could tell he was sort of having a conversation with someone, and as soon as that wrapped up, he was jumping out into the car. So I very quickly ran to my car, I moved back and I park and I sort of sit, I'm stalking Kevin Smith at this point. I've turned the headlights off so the security guys don't get suspicious of me. And I'm watching and watching and waiting and then eventually a guy comes out and they're in like this big Hyundai, um, like people mover type van. Um, He drives around, I'm like, it's coming. Like he's opened the door ready for him to walk in and then the gates open and Kev walks out to say hello to the fans. So he poses for a whole bunch of photos and he, like, he says to everyone, like, you know, if you want your own version of this photo, then pass your f- cameras or your phones or whatever it is up to the dude at the front. He's going to take the photos for you. So I mill to the back of that group. I'm like, Kev, as long as we're just standing here, do you mind recording a show, a- an intro for our show? Now, at this point, I have to credit Muse, uh, who yells out in the background, dude, come on, he's already taken photos. Don't ask him to do anything. It's fucking cold. I want to go. <laughs> but Kev was... At- it was so sweet. He's going, no, stick it in my face, man, and I'll do it for you. And and the, obviously the end result is what you've heard. So thank you so much to Kevin Smith for, for giving that for our show. It's, it's such a huge boost for you and I that, as as we've said so many times, we're just two kids sitting in North Geelong in a bedroom. But as he was saying through the night, in his eyes, he's still just a kid from Jersey that's now touring Australia and playing to 2,800 people. So I wanted to kick off this show by kind of echoing his message follow your dreams and put what you want out there because you never know what can happen you just have the balls to ask or have the balls to do something now to end this story on a funny note if you could just replay his intro if you listen to the next five seconds really closely you actually hear me get run over by his car thank you so explain where were you standing then at that point well i had my back to the vehicle obviously so i've got the thing in front of kevin and then as soon as he's done i was just i wanted to run away i was like i've got through this don't fuck it up. Just get out of there yeah. before you have a chance to ruin anything. So I just sort of stepped off and went, boom, and then you hear that, boom, from a security guard. Not, are you okay? <laughs> just get out of the way. So, so I'm putting my body on the line for this podcast. So explain what went through your mind as it's happening. Um, I guess it was uh, it, it was really one of those moments. I, I don't want to use the word surreal because it's not quite correct, but it was a, it was a real out-of-body moment. Like, I just was like... Holy shit, I'm here talking to Kevin Smith and he's doing me a favour. 
in what universe could I have ever thought that that was going to happen? Even just four months ago, before we'd started this show, I never thought in a million years that anyone like that would have taken two, three seconds. It's only a short amount of time, but you know, we took the time for me. Like motherfuckers shook my hand afterwards. We were equals for that ten seconds, Dando. And it's not—it's not even just not a, financially, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's not even just like, hey, I'm Kevin Smith. You're listening to Four Finger Discount. It's like, hey, I'm Kevin Smith. That guy from the side, uh, yeah, side movies, and he's given they, a- they, they talk about shit that we don't talk about, and I'm like. This is like a, a paid promotional ad. I know. I know. <laughs> I did slip him 100. But oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Completely out of the goodness of his heart. And I cannot thank him enough for it. It's that I, I put out there on Twitter that they say never meet your heroes because they'll always end up letting you down. The complete opposite with Kevin Smith. Just, I don't want to meet another hero now because I don't know how they're going to live up to how good he was last night. And he is a hero to you, isn't he? Uh, well, yeah, like it's a, it's a pop culture guy and... I don't know if you guys know, but he made clerks off credit card debt. Like, he just... And he said, he talked a bit about it last night, that it was because he wanted to make a movie that he wanted to see. The sort of stuff he found funny, other people weren't making movies. So, he just went, well, fuck it. I'll go do it myself. And if it doesn't work, you know, 20 years from now, at least I'll still have the movie. I'll be able to look and go, do you, you know, I'll invite friends around and go, do you want to watch the biggest financial ruin that I've ever made? <laughs> But as it is, it, it, it did work and it kickstarted a career for him. And I, I love that attitude that as big as the world is and as much as it's easy to think, oh, that'll never happen to me, it can happen to you if you're lucky enough. I mean, obviously luck's a part of it, but certainly just put yourself out there and you never know what might come back. You're talking to me off air. We both got by the same motto of the worst I can say is no. Yeah. W- what's the harm in asking? Yeah, exactly. I, I bet you there's a lot of people there that probably do podcasts who would have th- who had the mindset of, Oh, he's, he'd never do an intro for me. Oh, he's Kevin Smith. Yeah, as if he'd do, do it for my podcast, whether it's a shitty old podcast from somewhere in Melbourne. Yeah. But if they just had asked, you never know what could have happened. He might have said, no, fuck off. I don't want to do that. But I'd rather die knowing that I asked and got told to fuck off. Exactly. Like when Alec Baldwin told me to fuck off in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I'm happy that I got told to fuck off by Alec Baldwin. Yeah. And it's a story. Exactly. Also, before we get into the review for Dancing Home, I just want to reiterate how you were saying before, Chase Your Dreams, you want to do a podcast, do a podcast. Yep. The whole basis, I want to torrent this to be a hub of locally produced podcasts. Yep. So, if you're out there listening now and you want to start your own podcast, preferably not a Simpsons one, because yeah, we've got no. that covered. Yep. But if you want to do a podcast on anything else, send it through, because we, we've got another new podcast starting this week, a pop culture-based one. Yep. I won't mention that to you yet, because we haven't quite launched it yet. Yeah, that's news. But yeah, if you're if you're out there in Australia, even if you're overseas- Am I you, doing this? Do I have to clear a no, schedule? No, 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 no. 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 All right, cool. I'm but, excited. But if you, uh, if you want to produce your own pop culture-based podcast about TV show, about movies, about anything pop culture-based, send it through to us and we will- We'll, we'll give we, it legs. We'll, yeah, we'll give it legs. We want to, we want us, like torrentthis.tv, to be the hub to find great locally produced pop culture podcasts. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not us saying, oh, come to us because we're all mighty and powerful. Like we're, We just want to help people. We're growing the site, but we want people- Yeah, like if you can help us grow it as well, like it's- it's a really, really awesome thing to be a part of. I won't say it's changed my life, but it's made my life a happier thing. I've got this stuff to look forward to every week. And and every morning I get to wake up and someone new has sent a message saying that they like me. How cool is that message from How cool is that? Yeah, we'll cover that off later in the thing. But it's amazing. girlfriend. Ash, ignore. So let's get into the review for Dancing Homer. So original air date was November 8th, 1990. Chalkboard gag was, I will not trade pants with others, which is kind of odd for a young boy to want to trade pants with others. Yeah, I can only imagine like a wetting the pants situation is what yes. led to that. In which case, it's wise to trade pants with others because you don't want to be walking around in pissy pants. No, you do. Because you ain't cool unless you pee <laughs> your pants. <laughs> so the, ca- the catch gag was that the family rush onto the couch and Maggie is magically in Marge's hair. The catch gags were very basic back then. Yeah, they were. No elaborate dance sequences. No circuses, no clowns, no juggling elephants. That would be the most recognisable couch gag, I think, the... Yeah, I think so, and probably become one of the more. U- I don't know if it is the most used, but it's it's one of those ones that like when you they can't be bothered creating one, just put that in. Yeah, and it's just because it is so elaborate. It's the first one that you think of. So every time you see it, you're like, oh, it's this one again. Yeah. You've probably only seen it in two episodes. <laughs> Skip two chapters ahead. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like when that when that catch gag gets used, like it takes two minutes to get through the intro. Yeah, definitely. It's, such a long catch it's definitely the one where they go. Uh, script's not quite there this week. Can we pull out the circus gag? <laughs> Any chance we could put it in slow motion? Yeah. <laughs> Would anyone notice if we ran the couch gag twice? <laughs> we need to mention it was uh, the birthday of Hit and Run last week. It was, yeah. Simpsons. Your favourite game. The, my favourite video game of all time. I love yeah. it. I still play it to this day. Not weekly, I wouldn't say, but quite often you've come over to this house and I'm playing Simpsons Hit and Run. Yeah. 
and nothing is said of it. It's it's just natural business. It's, yes. it's as common as you know going to your grandfather's house and he's reading the financial pages. Yes, in my opinion, the best Simpsons video game of all time. So happy birthday, Simpsons Hit and Run. Happy wish, birthday, indeed. I wish there was a sequel. It did deserve one, but hopefully one day, maybe we can pioneer that. Simpsons Hit and Run Two, Vice City Stories. <laughs> Let's do it. Alrighty. So do you want to give a basic rundown of this episode? Quick synopsis. Yeah, sure. So uh, obviously, Dance and Homer um, is the one where Homer becomes a mascot for the Springfield Isotope. So yes. it kicks off with him. Uh, at the bar at Moe's um, with people egging him on to tell him their story, which was a really interesting kind of cold open for The Simpsons that for one of the first times, everyone else kind of knows that something has happened and you don't. Like, There's no gag to start it off. Yeah. In, in all other episodes, it's just been a very linear storyline, whereas this kind of immediately created a sense of intrigue. And uh, a, a change, as you said, in the linearity of the story that, like, we're we're starting at the ending and we're about to see what happens. So, um, there's still to this day, I don't think there's been a Simpsons episode like it where they, it's just someone telling a story. I don't think so. They're not the off the top through. of my head that I can think of. Not, anyway, no, obviously there's been throwback episodes, but not someone telling a story the whole way through like this. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, there was the way we was and those sorts of things. But this was. Oh, a- that is true. Yeah. No. Um, Lisa's first word. Yeah, yeah but it, it still feels a little different in does, form the it way it works. Like it, yeah. And even like those ones still started where there was a purpose for them to tell the story. Like they were, you would watch a scene of them do something. Like this literally starts with, "Come on, tell us about Capital City." Yeah, like that. I think that You're is like, the what first to line. Capital City. Yeah, exactly. And what I really liked about that opening scene that we'll get to, in a, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I yeah. love how. Quickly, Homer's like, oh, no, I can't say Come on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, he tells a story about how they're at the... Uh, uh, the family goes out to the nuclear power plant's family softball day. Well, nuclear power plant employees, spouses, and no more than three children night. Thank you. Someone <laughs> took notes. Um, uh, halfway through... Is it the eighth, ninth? I think it's at the ninth inning. It's, it's right at the end of the game. Homer thinks they're going to lose. Yeah, exactly. They all think they're going to lose. Homer's fairly drunk and with a little bit of uh, Dutch courage decides that he's going to get up and dance to try and lift the spirits of the crowd. Uh, the old retiree baseballer smashes a home run out of the park, Topes win the game, and suddenly Dancing Homer is born. And from there we kind of go through... It's basically a sports story that he he works on his craft in the minors and does a good enough job. He's True underdog story. Yeah, he's eventually noticed for the big leagues, and he's, actually, he's a success in this episode. He is. Yeah, like he genuinely does good at something. Yeah, and he gets promoted up to go play at Capital City uh, or play. That'll work. Do his, do his shindig. Yeah, exactly. So, and even this, like he comes in. It's like he's the rookie going into the major leagues, that they've got the old mascot and they're just going to rotate him out of a couple innings just to give him a rest because he's getting old. And, you know, help you'll find your feet a little bit by doing it that way. Uh, it, of course, does not work very well in Capital City for Homer. And he ends up coming back to Springfield and, and telling his story to a bunch of drunks at a bar. He doesn't do anything wrong. It's just No, no, not through City any fault of his own. Stick. Yeah. But the p- people back in Springfield, where he comes from, they appreciated his stick. They don't care that he failed. This is what I loved about the episode, is they don't care that he failed. They just love that he was able to make it to Capital City. Yeah. In the first place. Like, we don't care that they didn't like you. We like you. We're just paid that you got there. Well, it's like any sports star that's come from your hometown. Like, even if they've only played one game of, if it's AFL or one game for their country of whatever it is, they've still done it. Like, it doesn't matter if they failed. They got there. And they're probably better at that than anyone else that you're ever going to talk to. Yep. So let's get into the, the full review. Okay, so as you said, they were at the uh, the nuclear power plant employees, spouses, and no more three, than three children night. Yep. And <laughs> Which they just, like, do you reckon they made it that just because that allows the Simpson family to go? Oh. Like, as in the writers? They, they were like, well, we have to. Like, we can't have two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because most family are like two adults, two children, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. One thing I wanted to point out in this shot, before they even get into the baseball stadium, well, they're in, but they're in the outskirts of it. Yep. They're walking along, and it... it <laughs> I want to point out, I hate nitpicking with The Simpsons, but I feel like the animation in particular sections of this episode was kind of kind of rushed. It didn't yep. look very great, not much great detail. I think you said to me that you felt that it was a little bit like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Yeah, you know how like, the background just stays the same and the, the characters just keep walking? Yep. They, they take the piss out of it in an episode of The Simpsons. I think it's when they're walking through Itchy and Scratchy, the headquarters. Yeah, yep. Yeah, anyway. So, um, they're walking along, but there's one point where a close-up of Lisa walking past the door. I can't remember what the sign says on the door, but there's a sign on it. And then it zooms out and it zooms back in on Lisa and she's walking past the same door. Now, just little things like that. I get that it would have been... There's a lot of shit going on to make an episode of The Simpsons, but how does stuff like that get through? Do you well, think they notice things like that and think, eh, whatever? It's I think like- it could be a couple things. One, that they're in a lot of... Almost every scene that takes place in this episode is in a new environment, a new location. So yeah, they would have had to do a lot true. of drawings for the first time. Yeah. 
the other thing that I would say is that uh, anytime you're looking for a fault in a movie or TV show, whatever it might be, and, and yeah, like I'm, I'm as guilty as pointing them out as, as anybody, nobody is paying more attention to every detail of every shot than the people that are working on the show. And generally, particularly with movies, and I, I imagine this would translate through to animation as well to an extent, that often when something like that gets used, it's because there was a, a fault with another shot that just wasn't able to be fixed. So it was either, well, we just lose 10 seconds or we have to include something that we know isn't quite right, but at least that lets us get from A to C without jumping over B. But sometimes when you're creating something, you've watched it that many times that when you're doing proofreading at the end... You just don't notice. You don't notice it. How many times have we written articles on the website and we've reread it, reread it, reread it, we put it up and then we think... Holy shit, how did we miss that mistake right there? It's because we, <laughs> think read, it, we read what we think it should say. I think we left half a paragraph off one. <laughs> we just stopped mid-sentence. We just, we, I don't know how we do that sometimes. But yeah, so basically Marge doesn't want Homer to drink because he's... It's, it's like a the, the earlier version of when he's gone to the chili thing and she doesn't want him to drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't ruin it for me yeah. again. We <laughs> yeah. have one trip to the baseball every year yeah, yeah. and you ruin it every it's, year. It's funny too. Like They only go to the baseball once a year. Mm. Like, what, what is, what, what's with that? Well, I guess um, part of it's money a, a little bit. Um, how often would you really go out to watch the minor league is probably another thing. But, yeah. but it, it was something that struck me as well because I go to the football a lot and I go to the cricket a lot in summer in Less Australia. for sport in Melbourne particularly. Yeah, definitely. Like any any given weekend, you could go watch something. There's you, sport everywhere. Yeah. you watch. T- well, Geelong itself has three different football leagues. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously that's just three different local amateur football AFL leagues. AFL football leagues, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane how much you can actually go out and watch here. So you almost forget the magic of going to watch people compete. Like, it's really, really fun to do live. And I think that, yeah, this this kind of highlighted for me the fact that there are a lot of people out there that only get to see this once a year. And it's it's a wonderful thing to share with your family. Like, I, I, I kind of... I was touched by that moment. I was like, oh, yeah, like, fucking sports. How good yeah. are they? Homer's <laughs> response to Marge when she says don't drink beer is great, too. It's, it sums up why we go to sport. He says... This ticket doesn't just give me a seat. It also gives me the right, no, the duty, to make a complete ass of myself. <laughs> like, when you, when you go to a sporting event, you become a different person, don't you? It's just for that yeah. two hours, you, you use sport to get away. Yeah, definitely. You're uh, you're just another face in the crowd. People who you don't you never met before, and you ne- will never meet again. If they follow your team, yeah, you are mates for like the next two hours. Definitely, one of my favourite ever um, sporting moments happened in a Hawthorne versus Western Bulldogs game of a few years ago, where it came right down to the last few seconds, and we ended up winning by less than one goal. There were just three people in front of me that were wearing Hawthorne jumpers. I didn't know them from anybody, and it was purely that like two of them stood up. They high-fived each other. They both looked around. They were looking for more excitement. I stood up and high-fived them harder than I have ever high-fived anybody in my life. And at that moment, we were closer than any father and son has ever been. We, I would have taken a bullet for those two guys. Like That's what sports can do. It brings together the entire cities. It's amazing. I remember after the 2009 Grand Final... The, the siren just gone. Geelong had won by about a goal, or twelve points of one by. But it was after the siren goal. It doesn't count. They won by a goal. Yeah. When this final siren went, and there was a big fat dude next to me, and he was bawling his eyes out. Geelong supporter. He just we just embraced. <laughs> I, I, just, I just cut off this big fat crying man. It was great. <laughs> his name Bob. Oh, Bitched his Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just thinking of sports always reminds me of just how you can, it just unites people who you've never met before, and you probably never will meet them again. For someone who's been to an American baseball game, do you think this opening act summed up what it's like to be at the baseball? Yeah, very much. The food. The, the crowd yeah, chanting, it's, it's as much as about the sport. It's about the um, it is about the peanuts and the beer and and all and the hot dog the the, uh, <laughs> the hot dogs, yeah. uh, everything else that you can get. Um, is uh, food cheap at the baseball? I just I want it to be cheap. In my mind, food is cheap at uh, sport in America. It was cheap enough. I don't remember exactly what I paid. To be honest, I could have been charged fifty bucks for a hot dog, and I wouldn't have cared because yeah. I was you're just at, there at the one baseball, time yeah. only. Yeah. But it's certainly one thing that does happen in this episode that did happen to me is uh, getting on jumbo vision. Oh yeah, I there's the bit where me, now yeah. I didn't have my zipper down, fortunately, <laughs> when that happened. But my wife and I did get on. Was it kiss cam or was it just jumbo? No, it was just it was the um it was the end of the ninth inning. So it's uh, they were playing on a Saturday night, so they play Billy Joel Piano Man. It's nine oh, o'clock right, on a yeah. Saturday. Um, so we were just up arm in arm, swaying yeah. side to side, <laughs> belting this Billy Joel number out. And I remember that the crowd flashed. Um, on some people, and I looked, and I was like, oh, shit, they're only like 15 metres away from us. That's pretty close. Oh, you know, 
bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> and then it went to a couple of different areas of the crowd and then bang, close up on both of us. It was incredible. <laughs> it was, um, uh, yeah, it was a very, very, very cool moment. And again, like one of 40,000 people, I, it's the only Major League Baseball game I will probably ever have the chance to go to in my life unless this show does get picked up and we end up broadcasting out of LA, in which case I'll go see the Dodgers every <laughs> fucking week. I feel like even if we became superstars like in the podcast world, we'll still do it for my bedroom. Probably. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's how it seems to work. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll every now and then, if we have an interview, we'll like rent a studio somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. No. (laughs) (laughs) You come to me. You come to me. Yeah. Um, The other cool thing uh, that they do here is all the players warming up on the field and like there's that kind of low key moment where you can walk up and you get signatures from them. Yeah. and I love that moment where um where Bart tries to get a signature and Flash Baylor gives him no attention, so Marge storms over, and then uh, he comes back and gets the signature. Uh, uh, what's the autograph say exactly? It's um. Springfield Cozy Court Motel, room twenty six. How about it, Flash? Wow, Flash Baylor came on to my wife. Brilliant, and even Homer's so adoration. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Flash Baylor hit on my wife. <laughs> you still got it, baby. <laughs> now, and that is totally like if I was out and and the Hawthorne, my football team's captain, Luke Hodge, hit on Ash, I'd be cool with that. Yeah, like don't go home with him, honey, if you're listening. <laughs> but certainly flirt. I uh, think she would. No, 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 she wouldn't. Ash is loyal to a T. <laughs> um, but like if Hodgie was flirting with me. I think she would expect me to go home with him. <laughs> Do you think Marge knew that he was flirting with her? Yeah, of course she did. She didn't care. No, she just knew that she was going to get a, an autograph for her boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all that mattered. Exactly. Now, my favourite part about this whole opening act at the baseball stadium, besides Homer doing the dancing, hmm. was the interaction with Mr. Burns. Yeah. It's just, I feel in the first season so far, they haven't painted Mr. Burns as this evil supervillain yet. Not I mean, yet, no. They've painted him as a, a bad person who only cares about money. Like, like an evil businessman. Just an ultra-capitalist, but yeah. But not a supervillain. Like, he is, like, blocking out the sun type of supervillain. Yeah. <laughs> like, he hasn't reached that level yet. Yeah. And in this scene, when obviously, when the, he's greeting the families when they walk in, you like how he says, what's it, expecting, Maggie? Yeah, when he's reading the name cards. Oh, uh, oh yes. Uh, Homer and Marge Simpson. Oh, and these must be Bart, Lisa, and uh, expecting. Uh. The card needs to be updated, sir. Now, we need, we need to push aside the fact that he can't remember who Homer Simpson is, despite last episode he referred to him as Simpson. Yeah, well, we'll move on. Yes, we'll move That's along. We, we don't, obviously the, when uh, you get to that age, it comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> and his age changes all the time as well, apparently. Yeah. But um, when we get in there... What they do is start by alienating Mr. Burns very well. Everyone's terrified of yeah. him. And again, when they walk in, it's like a flashback to when they go to Mrs. Burns, Mr. Burns' birthday. Like, don't correct the man, brat. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, whatever Mr. Burns says, that's fine, He's sir. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah. and then they walk in, and then suddenly sits next to him. And Homer's, and Homer, Homer's disappointed. Exactly, because he wanted to drink. Yeah, he wanted to have a good time be crazy. Yeah. And then turns out Mr. Burns wants to do the exact same thing. Exactly. So this is where it breaks down the barrier. Yeah. And you, they, they have, as you said, it's a great session where they're just drinking... Out Burns of these, shouting like, him beers and Popcorn food. buckets of yeah. beer. Like, the best part in the whole episode. I don't care mm. what you say. My favorite part, Mexican wave. <laughs> well, Simpsy, you up for another wave? All right, Bergie. <laughs> whoa! 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 That is one of the greatest scenes of all time. <laughs> I, I like Mr. Burns when he gives it the... Um, uh, what's the line? The pitcher's off his rocker just like Betty Crocker. Yeah. <laughs> I used to taunt so-and-so with that in the 20s. Like, yeah. Every reference from Mr. Burns ever is from the 20s and 30s. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I really love that about Look, him. Mr. Burns is an awesome dude in this scene. Yeah, he is. I'd I, happily go to I, I would want to go to baseball. baseball with this man. Yeah. He just seems like a whole lot of fun. And I, we never see Mr. Burns like this. Very rarely. No. Maybe Mountain of Madness. You know when he gets trapped in the snow? Yeah, yeah. He, in the he cave sort of becomes him. more... What's the word? More of an everyday man? A little bit, that- yeah, yeah. He, he, he gets humanised a little bit more yeah, in that episode. But n- no more than this scene. The Mexican wave, man, that is just the greatest. Mr. Burns' greatest moment. <laughs> yeah, but then, of course, the flip side of that is that after Homer gets up, like they've had this great time and Homer gets up and does his dancing, and as they're walking out, Homer is being hailed a hero by everyone in the ballpark except Mr. Burns. Yeah. He's got, if only Simpson hadn't ruined it with yeah. all of that dancing. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, okay, we made Mr. Burns too nice here. Yeah. And then he bans him. Yeah. He's never allowed to come back. Yeah. We need to also mention, we forgot to it's mention. Actually, that. sorry, it's also Smithers is so happy about the fact that Homer is a dick, man. Yeah, like he really carries on this. Um, I don't even know if it's a hatred, but it's like this blind. It's not even jealousy. It's weird, but he just doesn't tolerate Homer Simpson. He just sees him as a man that doesn't belong and doesn't deserve he to be where he is. He doesn't tolerate anybody. He just, if Mr. Burns likes somebody else, because he loves him so much, yeah. 
He just gets so jealous. He's yeah. just a dick. I don't like the character of Smithers at no, all. Still wearing the name badge, I like that. <laughs> Even when Mr. Burns comes out to throw the first pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't mention that. How bad was the first pitch? Yeah. Everyone laughing at him. Oh, and uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy with his 26-minute yeah. national anthem. Yeah. Yes. Hilarious. And Lisa's happy the whole time. Lisa, the only person that's just <laughs> up at him. Yeah. So we need to mention like, mention again how Homer gets up and dances, and people people love him, and he's trying to think of a name. Get on the bus, dancing Homer! Will you shut up? I'm trying to think of a name! That's this classic Homer. <laughs> yep. So that, moving along, Homer, he shows off his new mascot outfit. How Great could- suspenders and a cape. <laughs> yeah, that's always- all you need. I want to go to a dress-up party dressed as dancing Homer. Yeah. And anyone that knew... Has anyone I- done that that's listening? Send through I- some photos, exactly. please. I I- a lot of people go as Duff Man. To, yeah, to, yeah, because um- they have... They- Duff Man's a really easy... Like, you can just buy that as a and- suit. And guys like feel like they're muscly, dressed as Duff Man. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to be muscly and dress up, dress up as Batman. Don't yeah. be Duff Man. But how cheap would a dancing Homer costume be? White shirt, red suspenders, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Five bucks at an op shop and you're <laughs> fine. And you've done good for charity. Yes. Yeah, so, and then obviously we get the uh, the montage of him getting more and more popular. Now, instead of using the newspaper montage like they did in the last episode... They, oh, they, what's that? Sorry, I, I, I've, I was just looking over my notes. There was one line that we missed that I really liked in... They st- the announcer in particular, they st- in this episode, they slipped in some really good sports jokes and baseball jokes. Uh, now, yep. one of them happens after we get to Capital City. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but the bottom of the announcer in the final inning went, and it's just such a foregone conclusion that the Topes are going to lose. He's like, as soon as he pops out, we'll go right to the post game. So, like, just that. it's hey, He's just going to hit the ball in the air. Yeah. He's going to get caught because he's a jerk. And then his first response to dance in Homer is like, hang on, there's some nut dancing in the right field. <laughs> That's just it. Like, who would have thought? Okay, how did they come up with this idea? We'll just get home to dance in front of people, and we'll base a whole episode around it. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't read like it wasn't based on anything no. that I'm aware of. It's just Homer dances. People like it. It yeah. becomes a mascot. Yeah, that works. <laughs> and it's something that's that, a show. As we said, it's something Homer is genuinely good at, and he's never not good at it. Like, for example, you know when he's designing like the car, like the Homer and stuff like that. Yeah, usually. When Homer is getting good at something, by the end, he's an idiot and he, he stuffs it up for the family and for himself. Yeah. But this episode, he doesn't stuff it up for himself. It's just the people in Capital City mm. don't like it. He does do one thing wrong. What's that? He misspells uh, Springfield. Does he? When he's spelling the letters. It's like S-P-R-I-N-G-F-E-E-L-D. Does he really? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. It's really funny. Was that? <laughs> and the whole crowd goes along with it. But is that- E! So, so, so is that meant to be there? Yeah. How did I miss that? I don't know. Well, I've watched it that many times. This is the first time I actually spotted it when I was so watching. It's, it's obviously part of the montage that we're talking about now. Yeah. And I was going to say that in the last episode, to move the show along swiftly, so, to get news out, it was they used the newspaper headlines yeah. so to tell you this is what's happening at the moment, instead of doing a whole act about it, a whole scene about it. Yeah. Here they used the signs of the, the Springfield Isotope Stadium. What's it called? Duff Stadium, I think it's called? Uh, yep. Homer's name getting higher and higher on the bill. Yeah, the that's right. He is the, he Homer is like, Simpson f- uh, featuring the isotopes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, so now he's like the man. Okay. Yeah, and his interactions with the um, with the music lady and all that sort of thing as well, and the general manager, and like the, the, the fact that the general manager is talking to the mascot is hilarious <laughs> in itself. But it starts to have, as we said, this really cool sports kind of underdog story where he rises up through the ranks and just, it's like in the natural where just everything he hits is a home run until he is the hero of the town. And it, how was the um the Rasta version. Yeah. <laughs> and then Marge's line when she sees A Simpson on a T shirt. I never thought I'd see the day. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good, funny. That's good poking fun at obviously they were getting quite Merchandise everywhere, point. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now one thing I need to mention though is obviously he's doing this montage of him getting higher and higher and higher. Yep. But the good thing about this episode is they didn't go with the fairy tale ending. The isotopes no. lose a game. Yeah, they do. And that was like a curveball. I'm like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting them to, you know, go all the way through to the playoffs or whatever. That, that's where you expect, in a normal sports movie, that's where this movie would go. Yeah. You would take them to the big leagues or whatever, you know, and they'd win the big one. Yeah. But here, the Topes lose, and they stay where they are. Yeah. Homer is actually the one who moves Homer on. Homer continues. He and he the- thinks, like, he comes in defensive to that meeting. Yeah. Thinking that, you know, oh, you're going to fire me. You think it's my fault that we lost. And he's like, no, 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 we're actually going, we're promoting you. Yeah. You've been called, you, you know, you're too good for this town. You've yeah, been yeah. called for in Capital City. I wonder why he never went back to being Dancing Homer when he went back to Springfield. Um, you move on with your life once you've, once you've reached those heights. we don't want to two episodes about the same thing. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> other thing. There was a really cool moment as he was moving away that riffs on the movie Pride of the Yankees, um, where it kind of mocks Lou Gehrig's uh, speech in that film. But it's when, I always like, say goodbye to the fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he takes the hat off and it all goes kind of... It's like black and white, but with a blue tinge. And again, it's just a nice sports movie touch. Like, that's a really old film, and I doubt many people would have seen it at all. Th- that, to me, shows just how 
much the Simpsons writers in those days loved films. Yeah. Because they would pick the most obscure stuff in the world as well as the obvious things. But almost never anything topical. Like, it was, you know, Citizen Kane and, and this and and um, classic films. Like, It's a Wonderful Life is something that they've done a number of times. It was like they were never parodying, like, Cliffhanger in 1990 or something like that. I think it's something The Simpsons did really well was they didn't have many, like you said, topical pop culture jokes and references because they get outdated so quickly. Yeah. There's so yeah. much happening in the pop culture world that... A lot of sitcoms fall under that banner. They they make jokes that are relevant. Big Bang Theory does it all the time. Yeah, or you have a catchphrase that... Ten, ten yeah. years' time, all the jokes in Big Bang Theory are going to be irrelevant. Yeah. The comedy in The Simpsons is timeless. Yeah. They, they take off movies that are timeless. Like, It's a Wonderful Life and stuff yeah. like that. Stuff that the majority of people have seen or you know, at least heard of. It's almost on the same level as Quentin Tarantino. It's like they just have this great reference book in their head of different films that they know they can copy from that... Some of the stuff people will have seen and they'll recognise. A lot of the stuff you probably wouldn't have seen, but you still know it's something. It just feels like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Homer's been offered the job and the kids aren't happy about it. They don't want to move. No, which I loved. Yes, because that's what would happen in real life. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't want to move. That's a huge move. Yeah, like, okay, Dad's got a job. I don't give a shit. This is why I live here. I don't want him to have to move. But Marge, being the supportive wife that she is, you know, urges the kids on and they... That's what I like about The Simpsons. They're dysfunctional as all hell but they're still a tight unit and they yeah. show their support for Homer. And the, the, the kids, even though behind his back, they might not agree with what he's doing or what's happening. They're not, they're not happy about having to move. In front of him, though, they're full supportive. Yeah. And again, it, it grounded the episode in extra weight. It would have been so easy to skip those couple minutes, but they don't. They keep going through and it just makes it matter more when they get to Capital City and particularly when they start to see the excitement of it as well. Like, it, they've come around. Now, admittedly, they came around in a very, very quick time frame, but it's a 22-minute episode, yep. so you, you have to go with that. to sort yep. of suspend your disbelief for a second. The only thing that I thought was a bit stupid was, that I understand why they put this gag in, but you know when he's saying, he says, I need to get time off work, and he asks, oh, yeah. he asks his supervisor, supervisor's like, what, what, four years or five years? Yeah. This is why I think they put that gag in. Who would be giving Homer the time off? Mr. Burns. Yeah. Mr. Burns wasn't happy that he was doing the dancing, so I feel like they've, they got to that point in the script, and they're like, wait a minute. Mr. Burns doesn't like this dancing thing. Why would he give him time off work to do it? They're like, he'll just ask the supervisor instead. To me, someone that works in a factory, I wouldn't go to my supervisor and ask for time off. I would ask my supervisor, who would then go to ask my boss, the plant manager, if I can have time off. Yeah. But like I said, I can understand why they did that joke because I feel like, in my opinion, they got to the point now like, well, Mr. Burns wouldn't give him time off. That wouldn't make any sense because he's just said how he hated Homer doing the dance. He ruined the night. That's why they just went to the supervisor instead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you work in a factory, so I'll defer to you on that one. (laughs) It's not the same for every company. Like, if you work work for Apple, uh, just Apple retail, it's not like, you know, uh, whoever has replaced Steve Jobs, I've forgotten his name. It's not like every request is getting sent all the way up the mountain. But anyway. Yeah. And then moving along, we get the great... Now, I want to correct you here, because I was fucking right. You were right. It was Tony Bennett. I I never said you were wrong. I did. I said I didn't I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. You can put the knife down. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah no, I, I, for some reason, I just thought Tony Bennett was too obvious and that in my head, I thought it was someone that I wouldn't have remembered. Fun fact, Tony Bennett, the first uh, guest star to appear as himself on The Simpsons. Hmm. And how good oh, is the song? And Capital hello City? to you. Yeah. yeah. It, it is cool. Like it, and I think part of what's good about that is that they weren't trying to parody again. Like it's similar to New York, New York in kind of its theme. And that's it. Like they did write just a love set, a love letter to a city. Yeah. Um, my little bit of trivia here actually, 4th Street and D was a reference point on the Fox lot. Uh, at the oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. I looked that up because I was trying, what the hell is 4th Street and D? But yeah, turns out it's nothing. So I, I it's, think it's, it was the least interesting thing I've researched in yeah. my time doing this podcast. <laughs> it's funny that the way they see the big city coming from a small town like, uh, look, kids, uh, street crime. Yeah. Happy about seeing it. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, a bum cleaning the windows. That is a shim he's doing it for free. Yeah. And they give him a tip. Just stuff like that. that like, that's usually how I would be in the big city. It definitely happens from Geelong to Melbourne. As much as people yeah. in Geelong try to say that they're not We're a small town. town. We are just a country town. We're a big country town, though. Um, but when you go to Melbourne and it is a different ballpark, like, and I still walk around any city and look up at high rises in wonder and awe. Like, I love all that stuff. It's, yeah, again, I just relate so much to this moment, um, of, of that feeling of you're in a magical place where anything can happen. I noticed one thing, and maybe you can correct me, like, tell me what it is. I know what it's meant to be. They're driving through the La- the Laramie cigarette area. Yeah. And it, it's a shot of Bart and Lisa looking at the window and none of them move. They're just gazing at the window. But you hear a really loud cough. Now, is that? I'm not sure whether that was meant to be Homer coughing and they accidentally cut out the shot of him coughing. 
Because obviously, I'm assuming the gag's meant to be that they're coughing because they're driving through the cigarette area. Yeah, but if you or back- it could just be someone smoking, coughing, either way, I guess. Like, it's just, just weird, because the- if, if you go back and watch it, it's just a shot as if you're sitting, like, Lisa's in the middle, Bart's against the window in the back seat, and you're next to Lisa watching them look out the window. Yeah. And it's just a really, really loud cough. Yeah, it's strange. But you don't see who it's from. I just thought it was odd to have that cough, but not show who it's from. Yeah. I don't, I don't know whether it was a mistake or... Well, I, I can only think that it would have been someone off camera then coughing like as in someone out of the car yeah yeah if it had been homer they would have cut to him but yeah. other, like the other thing about that is if it is just you know all of the smokers like so it's everyone on a smoke break or something like that and it's one of them coughing it would be a pain in the ass to animate a whole bunch of people that you're never going to see again in the show just for just to fit a cough in yeah anyway it's just something i notice anyway yeah now, the next scene is something that um i can really relate to it's and it shows how how dedicated homer is to this like he's so nervous he can't sleep he's practicing yeah. his what was he practicing? Spelling Capital City or something? And Marge tells him to come to bed. Now, I can relate to it because so many times, not that I'm nervous or anything, but I'm up late doing stuff like I'm editing this podcast or I'm doing stuff on the website. And it's just you never seem to have enough time in the day to get enough practice in or get enough work done. Yeah. And so many times Nicholas said, just come to bed. And it's like, I know I need to come to bed and get some sleep, but I just can't. I've got stuff I need to do. Yeah. And it's just I could really relate to Homer in that scene. Yeah, Definitely. Um, we skipped over one more small quote that I really, really enjoyed as well. Because every now and then, Homer, Homer touches back with um, uh, with some narration throughout this episode to remind you that he's telling this story oh, yeah, to yeah, people yeah, in yeah, a bar. Course, yep. uh, it's the one where like Bart is, is when Bart's really behind him. Uh, and uh, or it might have even come after this, actually, now that I've said it. I don't know. Uh, but no, it's come. Up, it, it, I know what you're talking about when he's the, proud of him. Yeah, it's later, later on. It's yeah. later on. Okay. All right, well, I have to say it now because I've already mentioned it. <laughs> is that, um, yeah, like later he would explain he was confused by his feelings of respect for me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just brilliant. Like, just, what is this? Yeah. It's actually like the next part, like so straight after that yeah, scene. Okay. That's when Bart said it. So, yeah, well done. We're on track. <laughs> good, good. Okay. My so notes were in order. It's even great to see that Bart is like genuinely proud of his father. Yeah. Like, how often is Bart proud of his dad? It's clearly the first time. He was confused by it. <laughs> Exactly. And another thing I wanted to point out too is, even up to this point, Homer is never treated like an idiot in this episode. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like the um, He is looked up to by all of his peers. Yeah, he gets into Capital City and the other, uh, the goofball is happy to have him on board. He's equal. He's very accompanying. Yeah, he's really, really nice to him. And even, like, when, even when he, he fails, his family is supportive. All his friends back home are like, we don't care. Like, you, you made it, man. Like, we want to hear your story. Yeah. Everyone's supportive of Homer in this episode. It's yeah. very rare that you see him not be treated like an idiot, at least at one point. Maybe at the very start when he wants to drink. But yeah, from the, from the, it, from the dancing Homer part onwards, he's, he's a, looked like, up like to. an idol. Now, this includes my second uh, or the second baseball-ish type joke that I enjoyed as well when he says to Marge that you're sitting with the wives club. Because any sport, yeah. they've got the area where the wives sit. Um, like cricket, footy, whatever it is. They're always together and they're always pretty close to the action. They're up in the absolute nosebleeds at the very end. She's like, oh, what's going I thought, you know, this is this is odd. And they turn around with, no, this is the ex-wives club. <laughs> Apparently, baseball players that watch this love that joke. Really? That's like, they were like, oh, if only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. So Homer's given um given the fifth. I think it's the fifth innings. Yeah, so it comes just, on in the fifth. Yep. Yeah, and he just bombs. Like he he, he doesn't do anything wrong. He just does his usual stick. Just but, falls flat. But people, no one likes it. People yawn, and you feel so awkward for him because yeah, like, you can see he puts so much effort into it, and he's really trying. And it's kind of like, have you ever been to a comedy show when the comedian's just bombing? Mate, I've been a comedian at a comedy really? show oh, when really? it's just bombing. It's awful. Oh, so what? Happened? Virtually every comedian has that happen at some point. So, like uh, you've never told me about this story. So what happened? You were doing a. I, look, I was pretty young in this one in particular. The on and off, I've done it throughout my teenage years. And yeah, like it was it was one of those ones where I did a show in one place. It was very similar, actually. I did a set that went really, really well one night. And then I did it at a different venue a little bit later on, and it just fell flat. And I, it was awful for me. Like, I was 17 Des- years old. Describe like, the I was, feeling. I can just imagine it would be terrible. It, it, it is. You, you start probably talking quicker because you just want to try and find the next thing that someone likes and just like a you'll take a cough at that point you'll take almost anything and you feel so small on stage everything feels really really dark and closes around on you um the trick to it particularly for comedy and if anyone's listening to this that likes to do it is that you need to you need to understand that that happens to everyone. Like, it's happened to Will Anderson. It would have happened to Eddie Murphy. It would have... No matter who you are, at some point, you've had a gig where shit went wrong. Justin Hamilton tells this great story, actually. And he's a really, really good comedian. He's um, worked a really, really long time. He once did a gig that was like a sportsman's night where no one gave a shit about him. And he said he literally heard the sound of a poster 
peeling off of the wall and fluttering through the air really? to the ground behind Jeepers. him. So it can happen to anyone. And it, it, the, the trick is to just try not to think that it's necessarily your fault because sometimes it is just that the audience isn't into it and you can't always control that. And that's clearly what happened to Homer in this case. In, in Homer's case, he, got, he gets dumped after one go, but it's... um. You know what part of it? Part of it is that small town versus big town. It's, it's a good representation of like how a big city can just destroy you. Yeah. Um, the other part is the difference in having spontaneous fun versus planned and announced fun. Yeah. Like it, it, this is another thing about stand-up comedy. Actually, so many people can be really funny in conversation. Like you'll be ch- chatting with them and they'll throw one-liners at you in a, in a in a party, and you think they're the funniest people in the world. That's just because it's off the cuff and you don't expect them to be funny. If yep. they got up on stage with that same stuff and everyone sat and looked at him and went, right, this guy's going to be hilarious. I've been told he's great. And he came out with those same jokes. You'd probably be like, oh, what's, you know, is that it? Like, uh, how many times do you hear, oh, you had to be there? Yeah, exactly. And Dance in Homer is one of those classic you had to be there moments that everyone in Springfield was there from the beginning. And they were they they were all part of the movement. Whereas everyone in Capital City is like, oh yeah, Dance in Homer, let's see what he's got. And then he dances and you're like, well, yeah, fuck, of course. That's yeah. Is that it? <laughs> like, yeah. So that's that's um, very much what happens to Homer here. He kind of he's a victim of circumstance, as you said, but through no fault of his own. It just doesn't work out for him. Oh, what did you say? The only cheers I got was when they dragged my sorry carcass out of there. Yeah, yeah. I feel so bad. for Really him. sad. Homer's very poetic. In, yeah. when he tells this story, yeah, actually. it's, it's kind it's of a, cool. This would have to be one of the best Homer episodes, I think. Just in yeah, the sense that how really he's well treated written. and how he's looked up to and everything. Yeah. But. He gets told that he's fired, and I, I love how he doesn't get dressed. For God's sake, put some pants on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so good. Even like, when he's telling the story, I love that, like, that, you know, <laughs> that whenever they do one of these flashbacks episodes, in real life, no one is going to include that part of the story. Yeah. But still, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's because and like, then, you got told so-and-so wants to see you as he's getting dressed. He didn't think to get dressed first and then go talk to him. It's like, yeah. all right, he wants to talk to me, I'll go see him now. And then, of course, the episode is wrapped up with him on his way back home. Or the fa- the family is supportive. They know he's failed, but they're like, just show your support anyway. And they're like, yeah. go home, I'm proud of you, man. You know, you did really well. Which leads to the best line of the entire episode for me of uh, my wife and kids stood by me. On the way home, I realized how little that helped. <laughs> that went over my head. I didn't even yeah, say that. That's a fantastic... That's like Leslie Nielsen shit. That's, that's one of so the funniest awesome. lines that could possibly be written at the end of that moment. I don't even remember that. That's hilarious. That's brilliant. I love um, it. So, obviously, after that line, they drive... Cuts it, back to present yeah, time. Cuts back to um, him telling the story, and he goes, that's what happened. And, he's, and he, he can't believe that everyone's genuinely interested in this story and actually want to hear him tell it again. Yeah. It's just a great... Like Springfield has a real tight community, like, and he's got those, definitely they're real close group of friends at the uh, at the bar, the barflies we call them, like, like yep. Barney and all that. And they're just they're so proud of Homer that he was able to, even though he failed at the big city, they're just proud that he got there. He showed it to him, yeah. And you know what? I didn't mean for this to happen, but that ties back really nicely with my whole thing at the start about just find an audience and put your shit out there and yeah. be proud of what you do, and there will be people who love you for it. Yes. So that is Dance and Homer. I've always liked this episode, but going back and critiquing it, I like it even more. Yeah, it's you know what for me, it's not hilarious in any stretch. It's it's probably one of the least funny, funny episodes that we've watched so far. It's a great story. But though. having really unpacked it just now, I've realised that I actually like it more now than I was even liking it when I was watching it. It's not until I've really thought about how everything worked and how it all sunk in that I've realised. Yeah, it's a. There's a, it's a very memorable episode. Everyone knows about this one. When you look at the cover, you go, oh, yeah, Dancing Homer. But yeah. it, it, it's great. It's really, really, truly good to watch when you have all of that sort of heart behind it and, and thinking. I keep using, I feel like I overuse the word heart in these episodes, but that's what it is. Like, this wasn't about have you rolling in the aisles with laughter. This was just about tell a good story, show Homer in a good light, and be honest and be just be nice to him. Treat him with respect and dignity. Could not agree more. Mm. What do we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn, Mitchell? Uh, what did I learn? I learned that the mascot industry is a lot more ruthless than I ever would have realized. Yeah. Well, think about it. There's only one person per team that can get the job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the goofball was incredibly generous for the yeah. fact that he let home have his time. He wanted to pass the torch, I guess. But, yeah, no, I, 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 that was definitely a thing that mascots can and do make a difference. I learned that the Dance in Homer costume has been buried, as Homer mentions in the final scene of the, of the episode. I, I didn't catch that. He'd buried it, did he? Yeah, he tells all the guys at the bar that he buried the costume in the backyard. That's pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> I just wish that in the Simpsons hit and run, you could dig it up. That'd yeah, that would have been really, really cool, actually. <laughs> um, or if it was like an unlockable costume. Yeah, I think it was an unlockable costume. Oh, okay. Maybe. I could be wrong about that. I'll go right. back and play it. Cool. Anyway, so trivia. Yep. 
Would you like to go first? I will, because okay. I know that you have two questions. I did until and, well, the first question was, how long was Bleeding Gums Murphy's performance? Oh, whoops. Okay. six minutes, yeah. Well, mine also revolves around Bleeding Gums. I hope okay. yours uh, doesn't. No. Okay, fantastic. Um, you may or may not have noticed that Bleeding Gums was a different voice. Yeah, it wasn't it was Ron Taylor. It was not Ron Taylor who voiced Bleeding Gums in this episode. Uh, I had this written down. I've actually got this written down. Can I cheat? Uh, well, if you've got, if you do have it written down, then yeah, I suppose you you've already found the answer. Um, Daryl L. Coley. Daryl L. Coley, yes, uh, who <laughs> was an that. American Christian singer. <laughs> really weird, because to me, he sounded less like Bleeding Gums than I sounded like Bleeding Gums when I was yeah, trying I know, to yeah. do Bleeding Gums. Like he sounded I, I white. I, was, I don't know if he is white, but he sounded really that's why white. When they were, I had him singing. I'm like, that does not sound like Bleeding Gums at all. Yeah, really bizarre. Cho- I, I I don't know why that would have happened. If you couldn't get Ron Taylor, then call him someone else. Check out James L. Jones. He does everything else. (laughs) (laughs) So my trivia is the goofball. First of all, who was the goofball voiced by? Uh, Tom Hoson. Tom Hoson. Hoson? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Now, which classic 1960s TV series was Poston originally set to be the main star of, but before ABC passed on the show and went with someone else? Okay, so classic. Hint, hint, it celebrated its 50th anniversary last week. Oh, okay. I haven't been first episode. I haven't been reading the news. Um, Classic nineteen sixty. Happy days. No. Oh, I give you three guesses. That probably wasn't on in the sixties. It was just more set then. Um, Most of what I'm trying to think of off the top of my head is seventies, like uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Nope. Okay. The Adams Family. No. Get smart. Oh, wow. Yeah, this guy was originally meant to be the the lead role of Get Get Smart before it was passed on by ABC. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I, I thought that would be a show that you would would have liked. Get Smart. I, I love Get Smart. Yeah. It's so very. Tom uh, Postman was originally going to be the main guy. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's uh, that's good. That's actually, if you haven't ever watched an episode of Get Smart, and I feel like a lot of people that we're talking to probably wouldn't have, check it out. Particularly if you're a fan of Mel Brooks and that sort of humour. Um, and I'd even recommend as an entry point watching the Steve Carroll uh, movie because I thought that was a pretty good, very honest kind of adaptation to film of that TV show that they. They had enough of the same sorts of jokes that they they paid it a really nice tribute. This is a very funny movie to watch. I just realised you meant Steve Carell. I'm like Steve Carroll, Steve Carroll. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, we should explain that we've between the review and now we had dinner, so I've yes. got a chicken parmigiana sitting in my belly at the moment. So I half of my brain power at least is going towards sort of savouring that Napoli sauce, and, we're, so, and we're, we're hanging it for dessert. So the other half's going eat the pudding, eat the pudding, eat the pudding. <laughs> pudding, pudding. <laughs> Alrighty, so get into some shout outs. Yeah, and oh. Oh my god, there have been so many that have come through, so I, I apologise, I'm not going to be able to get to everybody in this episode. If, you, if you're going to send us a message or whatever, we will get to your shout out. If we don't mention it now, it will get read out, don't yep. don't fear. Yeah, exactly, because this is really our only form of advertising. Like, yeah. I read your name out, and you go, oh my god, these guys read my name out, they're from <laughs> Australia, you should listen to their show. Um, so, that's the theory anyway, I'm hoping that it works. Uh, now, the first one that we need to go to, now we've uh, mentioned that Connor Lynch was our youngest listener so far, but he's we've... The, he's the man, by the way. Oh, is he ever? What a champion, <laughs> like he would just knee deep in babes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've got a younger one. Uh, Susie Pline, regular oh, yeah, yeah. listener of the show. Her daughter, Addie, who's seven, is listening. Was it her daughter, was it? Yeah. Oh, cool. I think it's her daughter. I hope it's her daughter. <laughs> um, seven. We've got a seven year old listening to the That's show. Now, cool. Firstly, to me, that calls in the question Susie's parenting practices because <laughs> I don't know that I would let a seven year old listen to the inner thoughts of me for all that long. But. But hey, whatever. I, I'd like to think now I'm leading the youth in Australia. We, we had a nine-year-old here today, and I said, oh, do you like The Simpsons? He goes, yep. I said, oh, you should um, you should listen to our Simpsons show that we do. He goes, yeah, it is. I do. It's four-finger discount. I'm like, oh, what? Awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> he loves everything on the website. So I'm like, awesome. So he listens to us anyway. So Taj, shout out. Yeah, cool. All right. Taj and Natty, maybe you guys can hang out sometime. Or like, you know, what are you, 10, 10, 11 years from now, you guys might catch up. Now, not only is Addy listening, she actually has a message for us. Okay. Uh, So, she wanted to say, she's a massive fan of the uh, Treehouse of Horror uh, podcast because the Treehouse of Horror episodes are her favourites. Whenever she's picking what to watch, she'll grab a Treehouse. I was the same when I was a kid. Yeah. Something about them. They're so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But she wanted to tell us that her favourite character is Lisa. So, she's obviously setting it. She's relating very well to Lisa from the sound of things. Um, Must be a smart kid. Her favourite episode is where Lisa and Bart have to share a room. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you have a brother or not, Addy, and maybe that that's, you know, like, 
worst thing in the world ever is if you have to sleep in the same room as your brother or sister. I was almost going to say, if you have to sleep with your brother or sister, and whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, thank you so much for listening, Addy, and thank you so much for writing in. It's it's an absolute honour and a pleasure to be uh, speaking to someone as young as yourself and clearly as intelligent. If you're like us, you must be smart. Yes, exactly right. Uh, Moving along, who else? We've got a new... Like it feels like every week I'm saying, "Oh my god, this is the nicest message that anyone has ever sent yeah. us." Last night was the nicest message that anyone. I've has still ever got sent my legs us. crossed. It was incredible. <laughs> now, like I was sitting in the show, I, was, I had like ten minutes in the interval of uh, the the Kevin Smith show. Yeah. Um. So I quickly pull out my phone and check to find this message. So this is coming from Elizabeth Union. Uh, hey, Dan Mitch. I'm Elizabeth, and I'm from Sydney, Australia. Just wanted to let you know that I love the podcast. As a self-confessed diehard Simpsons fan, your podcasts and videos are gold. If you're not watching the videos, you can find them on Torrent This TV, the Torrent This Facebook page. We're sharing them on the Simpsons Best Moments Facebook page as well. Our Facebook page, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. Um <laughs> None of the friend, none of her friends are into The Simpsons very much, so we're basically sort of giving her that avenue to be able to have a conversation about you need something new that friends, she loves. By the way. Do you ever? What the fuck? People aren't into The Simpsons. Get rid of them. Yeah, exactly. this is yet another reason why Melbourne is better than Sydney. By the way, that's how I've... you could throw a stone in Melbourne and you'll hit a Simpsons fan. Yeah, it's how I establish friendships with people just by throwing out Simpsons quotes. If they understand what I'm talking about. Instant friend. Yeah. Uh, so, she's saying to please keep it up. She's enjoying the personal anecdotes as well. She finds that we're both hilarious. I'm paraphrasing there a little bit. The anecdotes are hilarious, but they're coming from us. So, we're obviously hilarious yeah. as well. Uh, she can't wait to hear our thoughts on Lisa's Substitute, which was an episode that didn't mean too much to her as a kid, but now triggers all of the feels. Uh, so, thank you very much for jumping on board, Elizabeth. Really, really happy. Again, we love hearing from our listeners, particularly if it's the first time and particularly if it's just gushing tributes about how brilliant we are. They're really good ones to read. Um, and frankly, all we've had... I text you and I'm like, I think we just found you a mistress. <laughs> you did. That was exactly what you said. Um, uh, again, Ash, that's not the case. Then why'd you write back, yeah, I know? Uh, no, what did I write? I wrote that uh, you had... Some, well, hang on. <laughs> you wrote back nothing. <laughs> I referenced someone that will get us into trouble, yeah. basically. <laughs> Uh, who else have we got to pick? Um, we've got a guy named Brand, 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 Brand Grant, who's uh, listening to us from New Zealand. Brand, 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 Brand. B R E A N D. Just sound like you made two sounds. <laughs> it's, it's weird, but like it's Brand R Grant, so he sounds like a general. It's like Ulysses, yeah. Ulysses S Grant. Uh, he's listening to us from New Zealand over the Dutch. Don't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. It's been a while since I've done an accent. I, we had an actual intro. And we're getting show. a little likes lately too. So stop. Don't, don't put a stop to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's very. Uh, is that one of the first? One of the few from New Zealand at the very least. Our brothers the first and sisters. Messages, I think. Yeah. Mm. Um, we've got two more. Two more. All right. Uh, I'll limit it to Claire. Ah, here we go. Claire Morley is new to the listening and loves the accents. Oh, awesome. They were her exact words. (laughs) So, suck it. Uh, And finally, I'm going to... But I think she loves our accents. Uh, No, no, no. I'm sure I I wrote that as shorthand for saying that she loves loves me doing the accents. You need to message us, Claire, if you're listening. Do you like our Do you just like Australian accents in general? Or do you like it when I do really bad accents of other people? Yes. Tell us us on the page. All right. Uh, And finally, shout out to Kevin Smith. One more time. Thank you so much. Champion, 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 imagine champion. If you listen to this, it'd be amazing. It would be incredible. Yes. Like, yeah, just imagine if we just, if we get broadcast on Smodcast and then we become famous. <laughs> yeah, you know, like one thing, actually, what he said, he was talking about like how um, you can kind of monetize podcasts and, and how. Of course you can. It's, oh, like, but not, we, we would never think about charging people for the show, but oh, if you no. get enough listeners, you get advertising. I saw and, some other podcasts where they asked for like donations to help the show, keep the show going. And yeah, I'm like, you, you don't, don't need, need money to help keep the podcast going. You we just have want no, money to have to. If you need to be paid by your listeners to want to keep doing the show, then stop doing the fucking show because it's supposed to be a fun hobby that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. There's no running costs for no, a podcast. So any podcast that says, if you want to help keep the show going, donate some money, tell them the 
fuck off because it's a lot of shit yeah. they're saying, hey, we don't really want to have to keep doing this anymore unless you pay us some money. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. It really annoys me. That said, if you're an advertiser and you want to pay us money, that's a different story. Oh, that's now we've got to get commercial. I'm, I'm advertising your <laughs> business, but just saying, hey, <laughs> listeners, if you want, it's that when they say, if you want to help keep the show running, like, yeah, that's yeah, bullshit. Yeah, it, it is. Exactly. You, you shouldn't be doing it because you need to be paid to do it. And you know what? Off. There are so many podcasts out there that as a listener, you can enjoy for free. So and I'm sorry about all the throwing there, but that really bothers me. Yeah, that's it? fired you right up. I hate it. Uh, but anyway, so Kevin mentioned that if you like, if you kind of hit around five, six thousand consistent listeners, then you can start, like you know, charge a couple hundred bucks for an ad for a business. Now, what on one we- show? Yeah. Really? His words. He's like, you get three advertisers, boom, 600 bucks a week, done. You can like, that might not be huge money, but that's enough to, you know, really start considering You can live off that. Yeah, comfortably. If you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, So, what are we at at the moment? About 1,100. Uh, I'd say that. What we need is you guys to find 4,000 friends. Yes. All right? That's all. I don't think I'm asking very much. We've got it from zero to a thousand. I'm just asking you guys to get it to from one thousand to five thousand, so we can start rolling some sweet, sweet coin, <laughs> and then we can afford to to do live shows, and we could travel, and we could do all sorts of stuff, and become famous and rich. Yes, and, <laughs> and really, isn't that what entertainment is about? You're getting the message. Mitch's doing it for the money, man. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the fame. That's a but, different thing. But well, I'm not made of stone. <laughs> they drove a dump truck of money to my house. Um, but yeah, so that's the end of the shout-outs, basically. Yeah, yeah. The, the end of the shout-outs is me plugging for money. <laughs> um, so basically, though, if we haven't given you a shout-out yet, if you've messaged the page, don't worry, we will get to all the shout-outs. Yeah. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Um, now, I don't really have much for the mailbag this week because there weren't a lot of questions coming in. It was mostly just people saying g'day and... and God, how Aussie did I sound when I said that? G'day, g'day. Um, saying, hello, how are you? And ask, and just in general, being nice to us. So I don't really have much in the way of questions to answer. Please keep those coming through. But I do have a few older ones that are still sitting around a little bit. Now, these ones aren't necessarily Super Simpsons related, which is probably why I've hung on to them. But I will... I, let, let's fire away and let's just sort of see how this goes. Now, I haven't prompted you for these ones. Normally, we'd look at the questions beforehand. So I have a brief idea. Oh, not, not have a... You tell me the question, I'm thinking about it during the episode. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't sit down and research answers or anything, but just so I'm not, uh, what do you think of this? And then there's 10 seconds of, uh, hang on a minute, let me look up some uh, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, what we're going to go, um, uh, Philip Hawkins uh, has asked, what is the worst thing that we think Bart has done? Emotionally or, like, as in cause damage? Uh, well, uh, he hasn't specified, so uh, I'd say you, that we you, can go You do, way. like, emotional one, and I'll think of one that's caused damage okay. to people. Well, I already know mine. All right, what is it's it? It's pretty comfortable. Um, it's the summer of four feet when Lisa yeah, finds the friends episode, eh? and like she genuinely finds her own friends and Bart, for no reason other than to cut her down, is an absolute prick and, yeah. and shares with them that everything that she's sort of built up about herself is a lie. Uh, and he he literally does it for no reason other than Lisa, can't, Lisa can't be the cool kid. I'm yeah. the cool kid. It's an awful move. And but by the end of it, he makes up for it though. With of the, course with he the does, book. but it's it's shitful. Yeah, really, it's, really. It's when, it's when she's jumping on the trampoline and he's walking yeah. over the sand dune with the book. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a dick move. Yeah. Um, damage wise, what about when he has all the speakers or the megaphones? Yeah, yep. A testing. Testing. <laughs> what about that's kind of accidental damage though? What about malicious damage? Because like the, the megaphone thing. What about I when, would do that. What about like, when he puts the uh, he ruins Willie's shack? Oh, yeah. He feels so bad for Willie because he's just, got nothing in his life. Exactly. And he ruins like, everything. You don't... Oh, it, I'm a shark. I just got it the way I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Like, that's one of those things that wanton destruction that you don't necessarily... In a cartoon, you don't... Like, sh- stuff blows up all the time and yeah. you don't necessarily think about who it affects. They really do show Willie in an awful place after that. Yeah. And... He didn't do it. He didn't. Sorry, he didn't deserve it. He didn't do anything wrong. That's by the Bart. episode where Bart and Lisa get their own uh, news show, isn't it? Yeah. And she sends Lisa out to do Bart's people. Yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that I, I, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when he ruins Willie's shack with the what is it? What does he fill it with? Is it water? No, that's not water. It's like lard or something, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Anyway. Um, okay. And the final question for this week. And normally we'll do three, but I've only got two that I can run with. Um, okay. And this one is completely unrelated to The Simpsons. It's come from Susie. Now her question was actually, "Who is your favorite Avenger?" But I'm going to stretch that out. Who is your favorite comic book character? And I will allow you to include The Simpsons comics if you so choose. <laughs> no, that's cheating. Am I allowed to include the Ninja Turtles? The yeah, du- of course you can. They, they were comic dark comic. in the comics, man. They were brutal. Yeah. Like, I enjoy the cartoon, 
but the I cartoon, love the cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon's amazing. But yeah. I feel like the first movie was more like the comics as opposed to the um, the TV series, like the, the live action yeah, movies. yeah, the, that does bit, get bit, like darker. the foot really fuck up, Splinter, and yeah, 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 it gets messed up. I like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle version, the comic book version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, yep, no, right. that works. That, that's a really obscure one, and yeah. I really like that. Um, actually, segue, side note: this was Kevin Smith used the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a direct example last night. He's talking about how you can do a podcast for anything, and you'll find an audience for it. It's like, say you really like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you don't even have to do a podcast about them. You can just do a podcast about Leonardo, just Leonardo, yeah. and you can do a hundred episodes before you find the like. You know what? Donatello's a dick. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. You can do anything. Um, for me, look, it's an obvious one, but it's Superman. Like it, it is hands down Superman, but with a caveat that I only like Superman when he's done in the kind of earnest country boy, like, truth, justice, and the American way version of Superman. I despise Man of Steel. I hate that grungy, emo, love Superman, my life's so hard kind of just bullshit, and about how they keep trying to force him to have to be good by sending it, like, in in that they send um, General Zod down to Earth, and that's what forces Superman to be good. No, Superman is good because Superman can be good and chooses to be good. And I love that about him. I've just today bought uh, Superman for All Seasons, which was written by Jeff Loeb. Um, I've read the first quarter of the book. It's already brought me to tears twice. Like, not bawling my eyes out, but just a little bit of a little bit of something welling up in the background. And it's just... I, <laughs> I just love... I, I, I love Superman. I really... He, he just makes you feel good inside. I love Batman. Batman... I, Batman's not my favourite character, but there is more really great Batman stories and really great Batman work than there is Superman. But the really great Superman stuff, I find so much better than the really great Batman stuff. So everybody subscribe to Mitch's new uh, Superman podcast. <laughs> Superman, why I love him, but only sometimes. Hashtag what a man. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, so that wraps up our review. There is a man, a certain man. <laughs> Alrighty, so that wraps up our review of Dance and Homer Season 2, Episode 5, I believe it is. I wasn't paying attention, but I think that's about right. It's about right. It's yep. been fun. Good episode. I'm starting to really look forward to the episodes now because The Simpsons is really starting to find its groove. Yeah, they are. The next episode is Dead Putting Society, another great episode. Yeah. For, particularly for people that love golf. In particular, mini golf. Mini golf. And don't we all love mini golf? And as a little teaser for that, we're going to leave you tonight, listeners, with the sound of one hand clapping. Also, thanks to our official sponsors. Uh, the I said we were going to leave. I'm sure. out of here. <laughs> also, thanks to our official sponsors, The Simpsons Best Moments Facebook page and NoHomers.net. Make sure you check them out. Chuck them a like. Check out the forums on NoHomers.net. It's a great Simpsons-based website. Anything else, Mitchell? I won't be a part of this, Dando. I'm done. <laughs> One hand clapping. <laughs>